You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Glad to see you here. It has been said that no movement of God since the time of Christ has lasted beyond the second generation. Most revivals, if you look at them throughout history, they last for anywhere from two to three to four to five years, and then you don't hear much about them anymore. Even the great revivals, the Great Awakening or the Welsh Revival, you know, just revivals around the world, um, things don't last. And if you see a lot of churches, churches don't last all that long um, and stay relevant and stay impactful. I've traveled across Europe and seen many great cathedrals and they're magnificent buildings, and they were built as the result of a revival 100 years ago or 200 years ago or 300 years ago, and now they're, they're dead in, inside. Many of them have been turned into shopping malls or taverns. And uh, it's, it's amazing. My, my dream is that Westside Church will not die out after this generation. But this will continue on in this region, impacting this region for the name of Jesus. My dream is that your family will continue on and to grow in in God's ways. Each successive generation. That's my prayer. And so some of you are continuing a godly lineage. You have parents or grandparents, great-grandparents that were believers. And some of you are the first in your family to come to Christ. And because of you, you're, through Jesus, you're establishing a godly lineage. That's amazing to be part of that. So with, with that being said, uh, that's, the, that's the reason why we're going to start next week on Strong Healthy Families, a seven-part series going from, from uh, Easter through to Mother's Day. And I just wanted to find that word families. It applies to all of us. We're all part of a family. You might have your immediate family or your extended family or a blended family or a church family or a small group family. It's the principles, the truths of God's word uh, apply to all of us. And so everybody is included in that. So Father, uh, I know we've prayed. I know we've worshipped. I just pray that you would uh, help us uh, this morning as we wrap up the kind of church that Jesus has in mind, uh, that we've been speaking about for several weeks, I pray that it would impact us, God, individually. Because my closing point, folks, is that all these things will apply to us as individuals. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Jesus told us that the things that we saw him do, we'll, we'll be doing greater things. And so... Jesus left and he turned the church over to 12 uh, apostles, disciples, which weren't all that administrative and which weren't all that bold and which weren't all that uh, together, uh, but filled with the Holy Spirit, God used their gifts and, and they turned the world upside down, basically. In a, in a hundred years, the known world uh, had been evangelized. The name of Jesus had gone out over the whole world. And so the kind of church that Jesus has in mind, we started a few weeks ago, is number one, a church filled with Holy Spirit power. We don't want to take one step without Him 
uh, going before us. And then also a church full of healthy Christian relationships, strong, healthy, vibrant relationships. And then um, last week we spoke about a church where there's constant salvations and evangelism. And I pose these questions to you. Do you see this working in your life? And number four, do we see uh, the, just a simple uh, statement of immediate water baptism? If you're a believer, if you are a believer and you haven't been water baptized, you need to be water baptized. And if you have any argument, don't give it to me. Take it, take it to God because it's in His Word that once we have a heart change inside here, then we declare it to the world. If you said yes to Jesus this morning, there was a, a prophetic word. I got up and spoke. And if you said, yeah, I want to follow Jesus, make him Lord of my life, you need to tell somebody. You need to proclaim it as best as you can. And in the early church, uh, they got baptized. Two weeks from today. No, next, next Sunday. Yeah, two weeks from today. Next Sunday is the last of March. We'll be at the fairgrounds. Two weeks from today, we'll have water b- baptisms here. I, I would like to see a whole bunch there. Uh, getting baptized. Also, prayer in the early church was absolutely vital, and many, many, many scriptural examples of the church coming together in prayer. And God has called us to come together as a church every month at 6.30 in the evening, right in this room, uh, as we come together as a church and pray. And we talked about true discipleship. True discipleship is not just a class where you get a certificate. True discipleship is something that costs you everything. That's what true discipleship is. I am teaching a class in our Bible school coming up on true discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple? There's a couple other great classes. Please uh, take a look at those. And then anointed preaching. Uh, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke to them. And they recognized him as somebody who had been with Jesus. Did people recognize you when you start talking about the things of the Lord? Do they get that glazed over look or do they begin to lighten up and say, you know what you're talking about. You have been with Jesus. And so we're going to get into this week starting with number eight. Let me read this passage again. It's a snapshot of the early church in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Ask God to give you revelation. This is the fourth time we're reading this passage in the last few weeks. So ask God to give you revelation. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. What a great picture. And uh, if somebody was to take a snapshot and write about this church, this local church that God has put us in, what would be written? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to the breaking of bread and fellowship and to prayer. Could that be said about us? You have to answer that uh, for yourself. Number eight, here's the kind of church that Jesus had in mind, a kind of church where team ministry was integral to the life of the church, this sense of team. God has not created you 
to live in isolation apart from everybody else. If you're the body of Christ, if you're the body of Christ and He's the head, that, that position is settled. But who is the shoulder and who's the elbow and who's the liver and who's the foot? You know, who's the appendix? I don't know. But the body of Christ is made up of many parts. Paul's very clear about this in Romans 12. And each of you is a part of it. Each of you makes up this body of Christ. So we see working together all the time. Now, the word team doesn't appear in the Bible, uh, but the concept is there all the time. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 14, this is the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit's rushing wind had gone through the upper room. There appeared on them tongues of fire, and they were speaking in other tongues. And the whole city gathered together. Some of these recent TV shows and movies about, about that, you know, there's like 14 people out there. no. 3,000 people got saved that day. So there had to be at least 3,000 out there. And so there was a big crowd that Peter was addressing. And it says, But Peter, standing with the eleven. That little phrase gets hidden sometimes. Peter didn't get up there on his own. He had the full apostle posse behind him. And he was the spokesperson for this team. So he stood with them. They were united when, when one of our elders or pastors or myself gets up here and preaches, we are not here on our own. We are standing with the eight here. There's eight elders at this church. And so we're standing together in uni- unity. One person at a time is preaching or, or speaking. So he lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea, all you who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and give ear to my words. So he was preaching, but he was preaching in team, in conjunction with the others. And then a few... Uh, Verses later in, in uh, Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are walking through the temple and there's this uh, crippled guy there and um, he's looking for alms. And you know the story. Uh, he's looking for alms and Peter says, uh, I don't have any gold or silver, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the guy gets up. Now that guy had been there, it says, for years and years, decades. So evidently Jesus passed that guy a bunch of times and didn't heal him. Because everybody knew who he was. But Peter looks at the guy because the guy's expecting to receive gold or silver. And there's another little phrase that gets lost in there. And Peter says, look at us. He doesn't say, look at me. He's walking by. He, he, they meet eyes. He doesn't say, look at me. This is important. He says, look at us. There's just little things like this. In Genesis chapter 1, God says, Let us make man in our image. And that's just not archaic King James language. There is the plurality of of Almighty God in eternal fellowship with Himself saying, Let us make man in our image. There's teamness all through the Bible. Husband and wife, you're a team. And God talks about team. You were never created to be in isolation. You were never created to do this or, or, or figure this out by yourself, but in community. We see it with Paul and Silas and Paul and Timothy and Barnabas and John Mark. We just see it all through. There's team, 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 team. Every time that elders are addressed in the New Testament, every single time it's addressed plurally to the elders. It's always in team, conjunction, uh, with one another. The result of that 
sense of community and connection was that the nations were discipled that first century. So one of our, our uh, purpose statements here at Westside is in community on mission. We are in community and we have a mission to do. We are missionaries, same root word. We have this purpose uh, to tell the world about Jesus. The, the thing is at Westside, if anybody asks you what our purpose statement is, we got six of them now. So <laughs> you're only supposed to have one. I know we're breaking the rules. Uh, but we have big, huge uh, banners uh, that we're going to put up at Easter. We have four of them out there. So the one that we don't have out there is in community on mission. Uh, but these statements of purpose of what we're about, it's a big deal. God created you not to ever be in isolation. You can't have Jesus as the head of the body with only one part in the body. You're an elbow. So it's Jesus and an elbow or Jesus and a thumb. So his head is up here and you just march down the street like this. No, some people say mistakenly, hey, it's just me and Jesus. I don't need the church. God never created you to be alone. He created you to be part of a body. So that's what we see in the, in the New Testament church. Uh, by the way, in two weeks, we're going to start our new Westside 101 class. Uh, if you're thinking about uh, making Westside your church home, please go to that class. It's two Sunday afternoons in a row. It's going to be great. It's exciting. It goes, it's quick paced. It's fast. It's fun. And uh, we usually give free uh, York patties out or, or something. But we'll have a dinner at the end that's part of the class. And Number nine. Good biblical leadership. We see this uh, in Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 to 3. Now, this is Peter writing, not the young fisherman who cusses, you know, that he didn't ever knew Jesus. This is, Jesus, this is Peter with decades of ministry as a father, you know, in the house, so to speak. People looked up to him. He's elderly now, and he's writing uh, these uh, two letters to the church. And he says, so I exhort the elders among you, there's elders, plural, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, that means for money, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So uh, one of the things that identifies good uh, local churches, the kind of church Jesus had in mind where there's good leadership. We live in a country where leadership is in question. In fact, you'll see a bumper sticker once in a while that says, question leadership. And we need to understand that under God, we need leadership. He created us to be in community, and within community, there needs to be leadership. Your home will not function properly, properly without good leadership, good biblical leadership, the way God intended. Husband and wife in team, all these, all these principles apply to your family as well. They apply to you individually, they apply to your family, they apply to the church as a whole. God created you as husband and wife to be in team and provide good government over the household and all its affairs. And Peter gives the, uh, the description here, perfectly for the church to the elders that's the mature ones uh exercise oversight that means over the whole household and its affairs the household uh, of a home is compared to the household of a church and uh not under compulsion but uh as shepherds gently leading those that are with young so we see in the new testament that elders provide government that's direction discipline and doctrine we have talked about this recently when we just set in some deacons a few weeks ago and spoke quite a lot about it, 
you hear more about it in our Westside 101 class if you go. Elders and deacons together, they make up the leadership team. So in this church, the elders and deacons, they're the leadership team, not lording it over, but being examples. Come follow me as I follow Christ. And then the most important team here at Westside, the most important team, the A team, is the ministry team. That's comprised of all of us. Elders and deacons and saints, we all have ministry in us. And the word ministry is the same word in Greek uh, as serve. So to be a deacon, to be a minister, to be a servant, those are all the same things. So we are all servants in the house of the Lord. Each one of you has a gift. First Peter 4, 10, 11 says that each one of you has a special gift. That means nobody's like you. And your gift is to be used to serve the body. Not to serve yourself, but to serve the body so that God gets the glory. We don't point all our gifts toward us so that we receive all the accolades of men, but we use our gifts to serve others so that they look to God and say, thank you, God, for that person using their gift to serve us. And that we're better because you're here. And I'm, I, I, I want to be better because each one of you is here. And you want to be better because all of us are here. And so we gain the riches uh, of the body in Christ now, let me talk about this serving thing. Have you ever heard of the 80-20 rule? It's this unwritten uh, algorithm out there floating in time and space. It, and it's, it says this, that basically 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Have you ever heard that before? It's, it's true in a lot of ways. 20% of your carpet gets 80% of the wear. Is that true? I know it could be 79% or, you know, it's, but it's a generality, please. So in this church, way more than 20% serve. A vast majority of the people in the church serve. Here's what I want to say about serving. Each one of you, if you're part of a body, God's plugged you and you have a function. Every part of my body here has a function. And all the parts work together so we have a complete and whole and healthy body and so you are not complete. You're not actually doing what you're called to do unless you're serving somewhere. Now, you should spend most of your time serving in the area that you get excited about, your passion. What are you passionate about? Spend most of your time there serving. If you love kids, work in kids' ministry. If you love youth or junior hires, work there. If you, if you love welcoming people, if you love walking around, making sure the kids are safe, work in the parking lot. If you, love, if, if, if you don't like that too much and don't like to be up front, come on Saturdays when, when the guys, couple guys every week blow the park, parking lot down. Uh, this church campus is clean not just because we want it to be or wish it to be, but because people work. And they, they pitch in where, the, uh, well, you know, I'm not a preacher or a teacher, but I can... I can hold a blowing machine on my back and blow off the parking lot with another guy. And, you know, you can't hear anything when you have those on, but you can wave and, you know, have a little bit of fellowship there on a Saturday afternoon. How about the ladies that come in and sew these chairs? These chairs, uh, some of these chairs are 16 years old, and they all, some of these chairs are only 8 years old, but they all look about the same because we try to take good care of the stuff that God gave us. Some people work in the kitchen back here, and they don't want to be out front, but they want to serve, and they, that's their joy. Where's your passion? You want to have people in your home and open up your home and love on people and make them feel welcome? Find your passion and use most of your time to, to, to do your passion. However, reserve a little bit for family chores. Some things nobody volunteers for. It's not my passion to take out the trash. 
Terry's gotten on my case lately because sometimes I don't take out the trash. She goes, don't say that anymore unless you take out the trash. So I don't wake up at night dreaming of more efficient ways to take out the trash. It's not my passion. But you know why I do it? I do it because I love my family. And it needs to get done. So if you're not serving, go back to the Welcome Center and say, where can I serve? Where can I? Point me to this person. Point me to that person. Point me to this. Uh, we, we didn't have a drummer this morning because some of our, our uh, ministry team are out of town. We need, we need backup bass players and drummers and keyboardists and you know, all these kind of things. You think, oh, they're fine. No, actually, some of you have musical talents that you're not using. And uh, some of you have administrative talents. We have office volunteers that, that uh, volunteer during the week. But here's one of the big ones right now is Westside Kids. We minister to... Uh, last this no in 2015 we ministered we had over over well over 200 children on our roster that's a lot of kids to take care of and to love on and to teach at their level and uh, to example and some of you need to be in class some of you older guys some of you older guys those little kids love you those little first and second graders fourth graders they think the world of you First of all, you're a giant. You're like way tall. And, and you're smart. And, and you know answers to things. And you just love them. And so I want to encourage you. Talk to Tyler or Kylie uh, about, about that. Westside Kids uh, needs many of you. Now, if you hate children, don't volunteer. <laughs> don't volunteer, please. And uh, don't, just yes. write, don't, just, don't just write yourself off. Don't just write yourself, I don't like kids. Like, how do you know? Maybe that was 40 years ago. 40 years ago, I hated beets. I love beets now. You know, how do you know that you don't change as you grow up? So we need, we need some, a bunch of kids in West, a bunch of teachers in Westside Kids. So that was a little side note. It's not really in the notes. We all have a gift. Let's use that gift to serve others so that God gets the glory. Uh, also, at the early church, we see grace. Acts chapter 4, verse 33. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on them all. Talking uh, about the people. Strong's concordance. I love this definition. Divine influence on a person's heart. And it's evidence in their life. Divine influence on someone's heart, and it's outworking or it's evidence in their life. Is God's grace upon you? Has God influenced your heart? Not just so you can hold it and cuddle it, but so that it can impact others as well. It's evident in your life. Divine influence on a person's heart and it's evidence in their life. Jesus was full of grace and truth. He was a truth teller. He told the truth. He was also full of grace. And it was evident in his life working. We're to be a people... Not leaning one or the other. Because as individuals, half of us pretty much lean toward truth. I'm going to tell the truth. Even if we don't have a relationship. Even if it bothers you. I'm going to speak the truth. You know what I'm talking about? Truth tellers. And wise truth tellers know that they need to build a bridge of relationship before they put the truth across it. Uh, But some of us tend toward black and white. Yeah, it's this way or this way. Some of us tend toward Grace, where it's more, uh, 
you know, some shades of gray here and I cut him some slack a little bit. And uh, I understand that maybe, you know, I don't understand what they're walking through or what shoes they've traveled in. And, you know, I don't know their history and why they're this way, but I'm going to love them through this and encourage them through this. Are either one of these wrong? No. But the Bible says Jesus was full of grace and truth. He was both. So if you're a person that leans toward truth, ask God to fill you with grace. If you're a person who just, you're so gracious, because each one of these can be a fault if we go too far on them. Sometimes we're nicer than Jesus was. Jesus told people the truth. The woman at the well, or not the woman, the woman caught in adultery, oftentimes we quote that one and we misquote it because we don't finish it. Jesus said, where is everybody to condemn you? And she said, uh, no one, and he goes, neither do I condemn you. So we go, oh, isn't Jesus, he's so full of grace. Do you know what he finished that with? He said, go your way and sin no more. Because I'm not going to condemn you, there's the grace. But he also spoke to the, tru- the truth to her. You got off this time, lady. Go your way and don't sin anymore, don't do that. And so this operation of grace and truth functioning uh, in, in the local church. The grace of God. If the grace of God is upon you, you can do a lot of things that you could never do in your own strength. Mike Vanderdusen, in way up in the final running for MVP of, of uh, Westside Church. Jesus, of course, is up there. But faithful Mike Vanderdusen, faithful Mike Vanderdusen, leading worship here for 25 years in this church. He has the grace of God on him to do that. I don't have that grace. You would not want me to have that grace. You would have to have grace for me if I was up here. And so some of you have grace. The grace of God is upon you for administration. Some of you have grace uh, upon God to be a, a really great witness out there and, and, and you really have learned and you've learned apologetics and you can love people and speak truth to them and that's your real, the grace is upon you. Some of you have grace to work with junior hires. Yay, Hillary. I saw you somewhere. There she is. By the way, some people got into those donuts that I saved for you, so hopefully you'll have enough for the junior hires. Um, grace. Okay, number 11, persecution. This one's fun, right? Uh, Acts chapter 5, verse 40, and when they called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, let them go. Then they left the presence of the counter, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. None of you have been beaten lately for being a Christian, by and large. Maybe you have. Around the world today, Christians are being beheaded and tortured and imprisoned and killed just for being Christ followers. Don't forget to pray for the persecuted church. But in our culture, what does that mean for you when you go to work tomorrow? And Will you suffer persecution? Maybe you won't get that job promotion. Maybe you won't get that raise. Maybe you won't be noticed or overlooked or, or, or those kind of things. Or maybe ostracized by your family. They didn't care what you were doing before. You could mess up so bad, you're still family, or still family. But as soon as you become a Christian, they go, ugh. And their whole attitude towards you changes. There's persecution in our culture uh, for being a believer. But are you praising God for it? I'm not talking about purposefully offending people. 
And then praising God like you're being persecuted for being a Christian. But we'll suffer persecution. Boldness we see, number 12. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. It takes boldness to preach the word of God. It takes you getting out of your comfort zone. Your biggest message, your biggest preach about Jesus to the world is not even the things you say. It's your life. You are preaching every day. St. Francis of Assisi is attributed to have said, uh, preach the gospel every day in every way possible, and if necessary, use words. People are watching you. They know you're a Christian, by and large. And they're watching for your reactions to things. They, they, they can't understand why you have peace in the time of a storm. And someday they'll come and talk to you. So be ready to preach with boldness and say, that's what Jesus has done in my life. Amen. And if you're struggling, if you're struggling where, wherever you are in your life, maybe you've had good years of marriage and, and marriage is not going so good right now. Or maybe you've had good friendships with your siblings and, and right now you're on the outs. Ask God for boldness to preach to yourself the gospel every day. We need to preach to ourselves the gospel as well as to others. I would encourage each one of you, every day, look in the mirror. Maybe, maybe that will frighten you, but talk to yourself and say, you are a child of God because of what Jesus did. He died on the cross for you. Preach to yourself. Your sins are forgiven. Everything that was against you has been dropped and declared, you're declared righteous. And because Jesus rose on the third day, that same resurrection power is at work in you. Preach to yourself the gospel every day. I'll tell you what, that you'll be filled with boldness as you go out there. Paul asks us to pray for him in Ephesians 6.19. He says, pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for the Jews and Gentiles alike. So remember to pray for those that are preaching the word, that they will be filled with boldness. And don't forget that you're preaching the word, that you'll be filled with boldness as well. Number 13, there's many more signs of the kind of church that Jesus has in mind, but we've, we've capped it at 13 here in this little short series. Uh, surprises. Unexpected things happening. Unusual things happening. I could see I just got this picture just now. Paul and Logan are at the wedding at Cana. Jesus changes the water into wine, and they sip the wine, and Logan goes, that was unusual. (laughs) I can see it. So, unusual things happened. Unusual things happened. If your family comes in here, and they see, like, like people loving each other and hugging each other and, 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 and embracing each other, living life together. There they go, oh, that's unusual. You know, that's different to the world. It challenges their thinking or unexpected things. I'll tell you what, when, um, when uh, Peter got up there and preached, what were the other disciples going? They go, get a load of this. This is Peter. A couple of weeks ago, he he swore up and down. He'd make a sailor blush. 
that he didn't even know Jesus. And look at this. And the crowd there, look at, this is crazy. Could you imagine? And then 3,000 people do this. I want to get baptized right now. I've given my heart to Jesus. He is the Messiah. That's, that's unusual. And that's a surprise. So, so you come down, Ananias and Sapphira come down the altar, and uh, they lay this money at Peter's feet. And um, Peter goes, is that what you sold the property for? Because Barnabas had sold his property, brought it in, and, and said, here's the money. And everybody goes, yay, yay, Bar- Barnabas, who was who uh, Paul's traveling companion later on. He was preparing himself for apostol- apostolic work. Um, and then so Ananias and Sapphira, well, we want those same kudos from others. We want people to think that we're generous. So we're going to sell our property for $100,000. We're going to come and put 50000 down here. $50,000! And Peter goes, uh, did you put all the money down there that you sold? They go, yeah. First, uh, Ananias did it, and he died. And then Sapphira's wife came in, and he asked her, is that what you sold it for? And she goes, yeah. She goes, why did you conspire with your husband? You didn't lie to, you didn't lie to men. You lied to God. He goes, you could, have, you could have sold it for whatever you want. You could have, brought, you could have sold it for $100,000 and brought $1,000 in. It was, it was your choice. Why are you lying? You're not lying to us. You're lying to the Holy Spirit. You're testing the Holy Spirit. Boom. She fell. He goes, the, the guys that carried your husband to his grave are at the door right now, and they're going to carry you. She's down. Hmm, that's unusual. <laughs> I'm telling you, when, when God's at work, 3,000 people can get saved in one day. Miracles can happen. We've had miracles in this church. We have people healed from, from cancer, from kidney stones, uh, from cysts on their wrist, from all kinds of stuff, backs. And I don't know why God doesn't heal every time, but God heals. And we're going to keep praying for Him and asking Him to heal. All of us are compromised because we have a sin nature. We're all going to die. We're all going to enter eternity by this body dying. That's all of us. So it's going to happen at some point or another. What are we going to do now that will last for eternity? We want to live for Him and enjoy what God does. Enjoy unusual things and surprises when He's moving. We don't want to fabricate those things. Ask God for boldness to share with others. Work together. Know that God has put you in community and that you're part of a team, part of a big picture. Husbands and wives, work together work together more. Terry and I, years and years ago, we said, we're team bar, we kick butt. We are in this thing together, baby. We're working together. It's not our own lives anymore. It's us together as a team. Uh, ask God for salvations in your life. Plant those seeds. Water, cultivate, and watch God bring the increase. Rely on the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't try to do it in your own strength. You, you won't make it. Rely on His strength. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to uh, worship here in, in just a moment and sing a song. But I encourage you, take, take some of these things before the Lord and say, Lord, how can I grow? How can I be more like Jesus? What kind of church did, did you have in mind? Have I been contributing to that kind of church that you had in mind? Or have I just been riding the coattails and enjoying the show? of others, other people's sacrifice and hard work. I encourage all of us to get in there because God has something ahead for us as Westside Church.
Uh, I believe it sincerely. And it needs all hands on deck. It needs you to be strong and healthy. It needs your marriages to be strong and healthy, uh, to have a strong, healthy local church. Amen? Amen.